Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. As we read the word and we enter into the message, I'd like for you to, to read from, uh, to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 1 to 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Thank you. Let me begin reading. Verse 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's just pray. Lord, as you apply, Holy Spirit, as you enable us, Lord, to be able to proclaim your word, to the people you've given us, to the places of influence, to our, pl- to our families and friends. Father, we pray that we would experience the same thing that the Apostle Paul experienced. Not just plausible words of wisdom, not just lofty speech, but we'd be able to proclaim your gospel with the demonstration of the Spirit and your power. Lord, we pray for that, God, that you would empower us, embolden us to be that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Now, one of the main reasons, if I may say, if not the main reason why the Holy Spirit is given to us, is not just for us to feel the sweet tingling sensation of the Holy Spirit's presence. The way that the Holy Spirit would lighten your load, fill your heart with so much joy, uh, allow you to experience healing, freedom, and you know, to be able to enjoy the presence of God, basking in His presence, and you, you just, you, you don't want to leave it anymore. Yes, the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit is God. And He, when we encounter Him, He is the tangible presence of God that we encounter in our day, in our time. And yet, as great as that is, that is not the primary reason why the Holy Spirit comes to us. Jesus Himself would put it this way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Yes, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses, it says there. Um, let, let me find it also. Okay, there you go. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit is given, yes, for your transformation, for your freedom, for your healing, for your joy, to be able to experience the presence of God Himself. But beyond all of that, the Holy Spirit is, is given to us to make us witnesses. Now, some of you are actually saying, Really? That's like a boring thing. <laughs> parang akala ko hindi ba yung parang ma-experience mo lang si God, the mysticism uh, you know, of Christianity, the, to be able to experiential side of spirituality, to, to be able to do all of that and walk on water and, uh, he, you know, and yeah, that too. But all of those are signs pointing to the gospel. And the primary reason why those signs, wonders, and miracles are done by the Holy Spirit is to be able to validate the proclamation of the gospel. Which means the primary thing is still the proclamation of the gospel because because when everything has been said and done at the end of all ages, when it's done, you don't need signs, wonders, and miracles anymore. 
And the primary thing is that we were able to proclaim the gospel to everyone, to as many people as possible, so that they might experience eternity with God in heaven, so that they might rule and reign with God for the rest of eternity. So this is the major reason. So because of that, that's what we'd like to be able to study today. As we celebrate Pentecost, we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And towards the end of this message, we're going to pray together. And we're going to ask for the Lord's infilling, the Lord's outpouring of His Holy Spirit on us. That you might experience Him on a personal level in that way. And that's something that I pray that, you know, I want to begin, may your faith begin to be stirred up right now. To have such an expectancy that, Lord, would you do that? Would you fill my heart, my life again, overflowing to the overflow of your Holy Spirit? And His Holy Spirit is given so that we might be witnesses. And let's explore that together. What does it mean to be a witness? How do you proclaim the gospel if you are filled with the Holy Spirit? How does that look like? And for Paul, how did it look like? We go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 1. Sabi niya, And I, when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. First thing he said is that he came to the, to the Corinthians proclaiming the testimony of God. So I guess I wanted to be able to highlight that to say that that has to be done. Somebody has got to proclaim the gospel to people. Somebody has got to leave wherever they are and go somewhere to be able to proclaim the gospel to another person. Because unless someone preaches, how will they hear? Unless someone goes to them, unless someone is sent to them. The Apostle Paul was doing his, uh, he, he, I, I don't know if this is his second or third missionary journey when he was going around the different places again in Asia, and he just came from Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and then Corinth. Now, now yung, yung lugar na yan, yung mga lugar na yan. Thessalonica, he preached the gospel there, he would go to the synagogues, he was received by the people well, but then, you know, uh, people began to oppose him. So people from Thessalonica. Then he went to Berea. When he got to Berea, the, it was here that it was mentioned that the Bereans are more honorable than the Thessalonians because they study the scriptures daily in order to validate if what Paul was saying was true. So the Bereans received the gospel, but people from Thessalonica followed through to Berea to be able to persecute Paul, and Paul had to move again. And then he got to Athens. When he got to Athens, he saw so many idols. And he, of course, Athens, Athenians, wisdom, okay, uh, and Yung, the, the idea that they love to be able to gather around in the Areopagus, in the marketplaces, to be able to discuss, discuss, discuss the new philosophies. And Paul began to engage them intellectually. But interestingly, he did not find much harvest there. Towards the end of Acts chapter 17, you would notice there, he only mentioned two or three people that actually responded to the faith. So when he went to Corinth, apparently he came from I guess a sense of disappointment that in the philosophical center of human society at that time, the gospel did not take root as much, even though Paul was reasoning with them intellectually. Paul is also a learned man. He began to tell them, let me tell you about the unknown God. You even have a monument on unknown God. Let me tell you about that. And then he, he gave his like philosophical perspective of what the gospel is. And then when he went to Corinth, it was like he was sort of, he may have been, Disappointed, which is why he said, I did not come to you with lofty words of wisdom. In the same way that I came to Athens. Because these lofty words of wisdom did not make it <laughs> when I was speaking this to Athens. So, 
yun yung context nitong pinanggagalingan ni Paul when he mentioned this. And then he says this in verse 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So, when he went to the Corinthians, his message was simple. Not so much of all of the spiritual pedigrees and, and everything else that came with that. He just came with Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Which he would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, is like foolishness to the world. But it is intended for the people whose eyes have been opened and that they would receive God, the simplicity of sharing the gospel. That immediately comforts me. You know why? Ako po ay... I don't know. How many of you here, you are sort of natural evangelists? Yung, yung ikaw, yung parang napakadali mong mag-share ng gospel. It's easy for you to share the gospel to other people. How many of you are like that? Okay, we have Tita Virgie here. Okay, Cello here. Just two from this whole bunch. Ayus, I am with you. <laughs> Not normal for me to be able to approach people and talk to them about the gospel. You know, I'd be so intimidated to even begin to talk to them. And I have many thoughts in my mind. I'm thinking, what will they say? What will they think of me? What if they will not respond? What if they object? How will I answer those objections? I'm not even sure if my presentation is clear and so on. And maybe someone else, this is my assurance, maybe someone else will just tell them, <laughs> not me. Yeah. I don't know if, if you experience something like that too, but, but that's where I'm at. And evangelism is not normal for me. I am not a normal approach, a person guy. And, uh, but we had to be trained to do so at some point. Okay? We had to do cold calls. We would go to parks, we would go to malls, introduce ourselves to strangers, and then preach the gospel. I guess that was part of the training. Nagka-come through naman si Lord. Okay? Meron namang mga iba na nagre-respond, pero marami ding mga hindi nagre-respond. Why, why did I mention that? Because this tells me evangelism is simple and doable because I simply need to know Christ and Him crucified. Question, do you know Christ? Check. Do you know that He was crucified? Check. And then let's just tell people, like telling news from way long ago, and just tell, did you know that Jesus Christ was crucified for mankind and for you? And do you know the implications of that crucifixion and the, you know, the, in the, after, after that, the resurrection? Grabe, antin din nun. Gusto mo ma-experience yun? Yun na. Okay? So, medyo ganun lang in a simple way. Because you already know Christ and you know Him, uh, you know Him that, you, you know that He was crucified, then we're actually in a place that we can proclaim the testimony of God. Not with lofty words of human wisdom. The idea of lofty words is a per, ano, eloquent speech. To be able to say the highfalutin terms. Did you know that justification has been opened up for you? And when you receive the Holy Spirit, sanctification shall come. And because of the atonement and the ensuing uh, propitiation from your sins and, uh, and so on. And you have been expiated. And that is the complete gospel. Yan. So, kahit na hindi mo masyadong alam yung mga lofty terms and uh, all of those uh, highfalutin things, and uh, the eloquence of being able to say it and project it in the right pronunciation, enunciation, and uh, the right grammar and subject-verb agreement, even without that, we can proclaim the gospel. Paul would say, I, I, I made sure, I made sure that I knew nothing else because he had his own dose of lofty words and wisdom in Athens. And then he said, I, re- I resolved to know nothing else except Christ and Him crucified. Again, as I said, that's comforting for me. Lord Jesus, thank you. I know you and I know that you have been crucified. 
And then he says, he gives another asset, uh, another facet, which, which, if you're honest enough and you can relate to this, then I hope this would assure you even more. Paul would say, and I was with you, talking to the Corinthians, in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. Grabe, yanig na yanig. Kumbaga, nanginginig ako ng gusto. Kasi hindi ko na... He was also, I, I guess, this might have been a turning point. This might have been a turning point for the Apostle Paul also. You know how we know that? That he came from someone, you know, because he was also growing, right? <laughs> he came from someone who... You know, just three days, a few days after he was saved, he began preaching the gospel and he began to debate already with the Jews in the synagogues. So this guy is a learned man carrying his, uh, his spiritual knowledge, I sorry, his knowledge of religion and so on, brought it into the preaching of the gospel. And I think at some point, God also allowed him to understand, you know what, you know what, it is good that you know all of those things, but it's still my power that reaches people's hearts. The oration of the Athenians, which was like the primary skill of their day. If you're an orator, you can project your voice to a crowd. You can have a good stance. That's like people would, you can, you can, you, you, you know, you, you, you can fill the stage. Which is also why yung kanilang mga lugar noon was like uh, atriums, right? You, you're in the middle and then you'd have chairs going up like that, uh, like a theater. And then you could actually speak there and then your voice would carry it up to the top. Uh, of the amphitheater. In their day, that was the thing that worked. In their day, that was human knowledge and wisdom. But God was showing Paul, Paul, that's not how I work. Skip all of that. Let's just get to Christ and Him crucified. Let's just get to me and, and me, me being crucified. And let's and, and, and approach this whole deal of preaching the gospel in weakness, in fear, and with much trembling. Weakness. Ah, do you ever have a perfect week in Christianity? Yung pagkatapos nun, feeling mo talaga, ay grabe, maayos akong Christian ngayon. Kaya ko mag-preach ng gospel. Kaya ko talaga. I, I doubt, though, no, those are scant. Okay? Uh, there are few and far in between, right? Those times that you're perfect in terms of your weak record of Christianity. In weakness, God can still use you. In fear, what will this person say? Oh, they know so much more than me. And yeah, you know, he's, uh, and I've heard him already debate my fellow Christians in the office before. I don't even know how to answer his or her objections in the fear of God. And yet Paul would still say, he still proceeded to proclaim the gospel with much trembling. <laughs> Lord, Lord, please. So I, I, I could almost hear the same thing that Moses said, you know, after he being assured by God, he'd say, Lord, what will they, you know, what will I tell the people when I go to them? He say, tell them that I, I am sent you. Lord, you know, what if they don't believe me? Throw down your staff and then the staff would, you know, be powerful and you'd heal people, eh? not heal people, but do miracles before them. And then towards the end, Paul, G- Moses would just say, Lord, just send someone else. Feeling ko ganun, ganun, ganun yung parang feeling ko, Lord, after all of that. Just send someone else. Trembling. And yet in that moment, the Apostle Paul relates, empathizes with us, says that that was his own experience when he finally came to Corinth. So that, so that, so that your faith, when he proclaims the gospel to people, so that the faith of people would not rest on his eloquence, on his lofty wisdom. And as we shall see in a a short while, in verse 4, it says, 
And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Speech and message. That word speech, that, that idea is the proclamation. Okay? The proclamation. And the message is the kirigma. So it's interesting that the speech would be like the preaching or the logos or the word that will be given and then the kirigma. The speech and wisdom are the logos and the kirigma. It's like the two major things that you see in the New Testament that talk about the gospel. The logos would be the wisdom of God, who Jesus is himself. And then kerigma would like be the presentation of the whole gospel all the way from Jesus' life, birth, death, burial, resurrection. And then he says, my speech and my message, when I spoke to people about the logos and the kerigma, they were not with plausible words of wisdom. Plausible, um, pasensya na big word, no? Pero it simply means persuasive. Persuasive words of wisdom. It's not with my complete presentation that has no, that's foolproof. No, it's, it was not with that, but rather it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The demonstration of the Spirit and of power. How does that happen? Question. Have you ever had a chance that you preach the gospel to someone and then a miracle happened when you prayed for that person? An actual miracle, for example, a healing or like a something was lifted from that person. It was a breaking of, of something like a burden on that person's uh, shoulders. Yan. Sino sa inyo nakaranas na kayo ng ganun? Uy, ang galing. Okay, now we have more. We have like three or five people. <laughs> Yay! Kanina, bold, natural evangelist. Dalawa. Ngayon, may mga lima nang nakaranas ng actual na work ni Lord. A demonstration of the Spirit's power, again, that's intimidating. That's intimidating. Lord, what if I pray and then it would not happen? Why would I be so bold? What demonstration of Spirit's power? You know, Paul was like big time. There was this guy, Bar-Jesus, Elimas the sorcerer, who was, uh, you know, uh, talking to him and, then, and, and he was opposing the message. And then Paul just said, today you will be blind. And then boom, he was blind. Have you done anything like that? You know, while you were proclaiming the gospel and just that big time uh, demonstration of the Spirit's power? Probably very few of us, right? You know, I've, I've prayed for people. I've, I've asked them to be healed in the process, but the most that I've experienced in terms of demonstration of the Spirit's power is just the burden has been lifted and that person has been crying and just it was just an experience of the presence of God right there. But not every time. And not all the time. Oh, ito na. Next layer of faith. Would you be willing to apply faith and say, God, right now, Lord, I am weak, fearful, and trembling. Check. You're qualified, okay? Number two, Lord, I know you and you crucified. Check. Dalawa na. Lord, number three, can I believe you for a demonstration of your power when I minister the gospel to people? Would you be willing to begin to ask that question, the third one, and begin to approach it in faith and say, Lord, can that be true? Because I've not experienced it yet. Then wait for it. Would you be willing to take a step of faith and that's such that when you proclaim the gospel to people, that you will believe that there will be a demonstration of the Spirit's power that comes with that. Now, when I say demonstration of the Spirit's power, that removes all of the pressure on you. Really? I'll give you a quick example. Here, on Sunday, we approach the stage with weakness, fear, and trembling. Ito. Proclaiming the word, right? Pero no pressure on me. I did what I could do to prepare. 
I hope so. <laughs> I, I was diligent. I hope so. I did what I could, best way I can. And then I just preached the word. I let God be the one to do his thing. The pressure of change is not on me. It's on the Holy Spirit. The pressure of your understanding, well, it's also on me. Hopefully I'm clear when I say it, when I say the word. But it's not so much on me and my ability for eloquent words and persuasive words and lofty words of wisdom. It's on the Holy Spirit and I'm relaxed. I'm relaxed. When people cry, experience the message, the work of God, I won't even credit that at all to me. It's just that we did this and then the Holy Spirit worked in your life and you responded, check, amazing. We're relaxed. When we're ministering to people, we're not pressured to be able to bring change. You know, as we talk to you, we just bring you back to the Word. We bring you back to your engagement with God in prayer and with the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. We bring you back to the response of obedience to what He's told you to do. No pressure in us to see change in your life. Let the Holy Spirit do that. I do that in my home too. Kapag kami nilet, nagtatalo. Indo, nagtatalo. Okay lang ba? Sorry, nasabi ko yun. Alam nyo ba na nagtatalo rin ang mga mag-asawang mga pastor? Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, sige. Baka nga mas marami pa kami kesa sa inyo. Okay, so anyway, because we talk about everything. Okay, anyway, so here, pag nagtatalo kami ni Let, tapos I'm trying to change her. Did, did, did you ever do that? You try to change your spouse? Never, of course. I'm sure not, okay? I, ako lang yun. So, so ginagawa ko yun. In that moment, I have to pull back and say, Lord, not me. Lord, relax na lang ako. At the back of my mind, habang, habang nagtatalo kami, at the back of my mind, nagpipray na ako, Lord, kayo na po. Lord, kayo na po. Ayoko na tong ayoko na tong i-control. Ayoko na, Lord, kayo na. Bitaw na ako, God. Hindi ako bumibitaw sa kanya at kay, kay Lord. Hindi ako bumibitaw sa asawa ko at kay Lord. Pero ang point ko, bumibitaw na ako sa controlling. So, Lord, kayo na po. In that moment. With our children, alam nyo ba na mga anak natin, marami ring mga pinagdadaanan? At yung mga responses nila sa atin, sometimes, you know, we try to be able to control and make sure that they line up in this way. But a big part of it is, Holy Spirit, you're at work. I said my peace. I said my word. Hopefully, I was able to say it in kindness. Hopefully, I was able to say the truth and nothing more. Hopefully, hopefully I did not exasperate my children. But depending on the response, Holy Spirit, that's on you. No longer on me. The demonstration of the Spirit's power. The result of the actual proclamation of the gospel that you do to people in weakness, in fear, and in trembling. The result is not on you. This relieves the insecurity and the pressure. What if they say this? What if they? What if I don't know how to answer? Oh, di, did you know that Matthew 10 tells us that in that moment, the Holy Spirit Himself will be speaking through you? Oh, that should be assurance for you na rin. Demonstration of the Spirit's power. The last part of that passage says, and I love this, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's difficult when your faith rests in the wisdom of men. Because if I can convince you about the gospel, somebody else can convince you out. Because your faith rests on the wisdom of men. If you get to read something like this in the internet, then all of a sudden, I remember the Da Vinci Code when it came out. It really rattled the faith of many people. What? Jesus had a wife? I, you, didn't you read that book by Dan Brown? Oh, okay. When that came out, parang, whoa! Talagang, I had some of my classmates come back to me and say, yeah, yung palang dahilan, so tama, mali, yung pala talagang pinapaniwalaan ko na classic Christianity, hindi pala talaga yung totoo. And they came to that, you know, their faith was rattled because their own belief was just on the wisdom of man. And somebody else can out-convince can out you. But if you let people experience, not just convince them of the gospel, but experience the gospel, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
then that experience is solid. It could not be taken from them. And their faith does not rest in the wisdom of men, but it rests in the power of God. And yes, there could be miracles. Yes, there could be miraculous healing. Yes, there could be, yes, there, there could be something tangible and supernatural that will happen. But the greater miracle is the miracle in the heart. The way that a person's heart turns to God. The way that the veil is removed from the eyes. The way that a person understands and actually responds to the gospel and comes to faith. That's the greatest miracle. In fact, if I may say this, that's the greatest struggle in terms of spiritual warfare. Now, some of you are into spiritual warfare. You fight against demons, principalities, powers, and you pray against them and all that. Did you know that the greatest spiritual warfare is when a person comes to the faith? Because in that moment, that person is snatched from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and heaven is shaken. In that moment, that's the greatest work. More than just getting demons out of people, that's small time. But be seeing a person come to the faith, that's big time. That's the biggest thing. Yun talaga. Yun ang pinaka-major. And that's what ushers in the kingdom. More than just you being able to drive out demons from people, what ushers in the kingdom is when people come to the faith. Because now the kingdom of God comes in the life of that person. That person brings it to his family. It changes the rest of his world. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Quick summary. And then we'll conclude. So, how not to and how to. How not to, you know, not, not to proclaim the gospel with lofty speech and wisdom, and plausible words of wisdom. Lofty speech, speech and wisdom, uh, speech, logos, wisdom, Sophia. And then it says there are plausible words of wisdom. Logos, Sophia. So the idea that your words, you know, it's, it's about how you say it. It's about, now I understand, that still matters. Clarity matters. But we do not put our trust in our ability to proclaim it with these, in these ways. Rather, how to do it. You proclaim the testimony of God. First and foremost, that has to be said. Some people would say, no, it's okay. I'll just let them watch me, my life, my lifestyle, and then they will have put their faith in God. No, I don't even need to say words. No, you have to say words. You have to. <laughs> because the gospel is preached. It is proclaimed with words. It has, there has to be a message. It cannot just be actions and then they will like, like lip reading. They will just read your life and then they will come to the faith. No, you have got to tell the story of Jesus. You have got to mention Christ and Him crucified because a person has got to have something to believe in, not just the change that they see in your life. There has got to be a proclamation. So how to do it? Proclaim the testimony of God. Same way with Paul. Know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Then you do it in weakness, in fear and much trembling. Then there has to be a speech and a message. Logos and kerygma, the speech. Logos, talking about Jesus. Talking about, to, talking about, you, you have to, you have, they, you have to hear, they have to hear it. And then the kerygma, the actual story of the gospel. There has to be that. And finally, in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that's like the summary of that, of those five verses. Come to think of that, instead of seeking to convince them, allow them to experience the gospel. What do we mean by that? It means we're fully aware and confident of the Holy Spirit's work as we preach the gospel to people. You're not insecure. That it's about you. What if they ask these questions? I don't know how to answer it. What if they reject me? I, they reject what I say. They already, they, you know, they, that means they're rejecting me too. And everything that goes with that. No, it's okay. You can just be confident because it's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit's work. And if that person does not yet respond, then don't force it. Because ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to God. 
Our job, proclaim the testimony of God in weakness, fear, and trembling, but with a faith that there will be a demonstration of the Spirit's power. It also means we're listening to the Holy Spirit. While you're talking to the person, you're already thinking, Lord, well, how would you like for me to minister to this person? Sometimes God gives you a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is like what's going on in that person's life. And then you mention it. You know what? I, I just felt just now, are, are you going, is there something going on between you and your dad? And then in that moment, that sort of just removes all of the objections because you've ministered to that person in terms of, in terms of the needs of his or her heart. Sometimes God leads you to pray for healing and the he you pray for healing even before you proclaim the gospel. Sometimes you pray for healing after you proclaim the gospel. Either way, let God, let the Holy Spirit lead you in that moment in terms of how to minister. You're not trying to convince the person. You're allowing that person to experience the Holy Spirit. You're allowing that person to experience the gospel. And experience is undeniable, unmistakable. The result of all of that would be uh, the, the faith of that person will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'd like to ask everyone to stand as we conclude our time this morning. To summarize all of that, proclaim the gospel not in the wisdom of men, but in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.